It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, I'm Sarah. When planning our home birth, my husband Matthew and I were really frustrated by the lack of empowering and honest home birth resources. So we created this podcast to start a new conversation for moms and families like us. This is Doing It at Home. Hey guys, welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. Today we have another awesome birth story for you today. Before we jump into that, just want to share with you If you love the Doing It at Home podcast, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already so you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe right there in iTunes. And you can also listen to the Doing It at Home podcast on Google Play, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you can listen to a podcast. And on our website, we have all of our episodes on our website along with some uh, words about each episode, a little blog post, if you will, and pictures to go along with each episode. So check that out at diahpodcast.com. You can also find some really cool things there like resources, some of our favorite things, our latest free ebook, and how you can support the show, how you can keep the show running either through one-time or recurring monetary donations, buying things through our Amazon link, and we get a small kickback of that, and you're buying things you would be buying anyway. So go ahead and check that out in the support link of our website, again, diahpodcast.com. And drop us a email or a review or a comment on Instagram all those options to get to us and just share what you're thinking, how you're feeling about the show. We respond to every single email that comes through to hello at diahpodcast.com and pretty active on Instagram and try to try to respond to every single comment on there. And uh, we've been known to read some of our comments or reviews on the show. So if you want to potentially hear yourself, hear a little shout out in a future episode, go drop us something in there. Okay, so today's episode... Erica. Erica shares with us two home birth stories. So you get a double today. Two home birth stories and both babies born at 42 weeks, which is really cool because we know once you get past the 40 time frame, it gets really anxious and nervous and sometimes frustrating for moms and birth families. But you know, that's just how long her babies like to hang out for. And they make their appearance just at 42 weeks. One thing that I love about Erica is she shares that she describes herself as a non-hippy-dippy type of person. So she's the mom who really dove headfirst into research and medical literature on why home birth was the safest, best you know, option for her. And so I really appreciate that, that she brings that researcher perspective and someone who really wants to know a lot of the facts. And she and her husband, Dave, just sound like a really cool pair and have a really sweet thing going on. And they welcomed their daughter, Poppy, and their son, Rowan, both at home. So we get to hear both of those stories. And really what it comes down to for her is trusting that biology works. (laughs) And that's what was able to support, confirm, and affirm her in her decision to 
have her home births, have her babies at home, to do it at home. So here's Erica's story. Enjoy. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, Erica, how are you? I'm doing really well today, just about staying warm. <laughs> we hear you on that, but uh, while we're over here cold in the 30-degree weather, I think it's a little bit cooler where you are, correct? Yes, we have just hit uh, the zero mark, I think, for the first time in a week. It got down to minus 20, uh, which is not my favorite temperature. Oh, my gosh. Jeez, so that's like whatever our temperature is, put a negative in front of it, and that's what you're experiencing. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Not always. It doesn't normally get quite that cold, but it's been a little crazy. Oh, well, welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast, and Sarah and I are super excited and just honored to have you here and... Uh, Really, really looking forward to hearing the birth stories of your two awesome little babies. Good deal. I'm excited to be here. Yay! So why don't you just kick us off with telling us a little bit about your family? Okay. Well, my uh, husband and I have two babies. Our first daughter name is Poppy, and she will be two at the end of January 2018. She's that's the craziest quote. The first time I've said that out loud since the new year. (laughs) Um, And... Our son, Rowan, was born uh, just over two months ago on October 16th, Uh, and we had both ends of the spectrum. Our daughter is teeny tiny baby. Um, She was six pounds when she was born, and our son was gigantic at nine and a half pounds when he was born, and he is 18 pounds now. We just came from the pediatrician for his two-month checkup, so I I feel like I was very much unexpecting such a large baby the second time around. (laughs) Big boy, healthy boy. Yes, very much so. <laughs> That's so great. That's awesome. Um, and you all are in Indiana, right? Did we say that? We are. That? Okay, cool. Yep. Cool. So any of you Indiana folks out there, Erica's hanging out and, and standing this cold with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So how, how did home birth enter your sphere and how did it become a thing in your life? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask me that, and I wish I knew the answer. I'm oh, not sure. That's awesome. <laughs> um, my my best friend, I know everybody says the business of being born. I actually watched that like a week before my daughter was born for the very oh, first time. Wow. So that was definitely not it. I was I knew home birth was going to be a thing long before I ever saw that movie. Um, my uh, best friend from high school had her first baby. She did have him in the hospital, but she was only there for like 20 minutes before he was born. She stayed home a really long time. And then her second was born at home um, on on purpose, I guess, rather than accidentally. 
mentally. Um, I've just had a couple of people I've been chatting with online who had their babies at home accidentally. That wasn't the plan. Um, That's awesome. We actually want to talk to them. I want some unplanned home births on the show. I think that would be (laughs) super cool to hear that story. So um, I want to find those people. (laughs) It's kind of neat to need to read about. Um, but so I, it was kind of on my radar that that was a thing. And then there was another friend that I hadn't stayed in touch with very much, but randomly ran into and had coffee with who had her three daughters at home. And I very distinctly remember both of them saying out loud to them, like, oh, that's such a neat experience, but that's never something that I could do. <laughs> um, so it was it wasn't on my um, on my radar of that as a possibility when I was chatting with them. Um, but I think as we got a little bit closer uh, to thinking about the the baby having my husband and I were married for almost four years before um before we decided to have to go ahead and pull the trigger with the with the babies I wanted to make sure I really liked him enough to reproduce with him for I guess sure. um, <laughs> so by the time we were really there um I had already decided we actually had a preconception appointment with a home birth midwife so before we got pregnant I knew that that was the way I wanted to go um I am a researcher by nature so I think I had read a lot about pregnancy and childbirth before we decided to uh, to go ahead and do that. Um, and I'm, I am have an academic background. Um, and so I was very much like the Google scholar and reading the like the academic journal articles about the uh, kind of the safety and the outcomes of home birth versus hospital birth, I think is probably what really uh, pushed me that way. And I did uh, like chat on the phone with a couple of different home birth midwives and went and interviewed one, uh, the preconception. And we, we lucked out our first try. I really liked the midwife we ended up with and she's the one we had for both babies. I love that. I think that's awesome because in the home birth community, I think all all voices are important and matter and we need them from different ends of the spectrum, right? So for some who might judge home birth or have preconceived ideas of it, they think that home birth, the decision came about because like a star came and visited you and like spoke to your womb, <laughs> and, which is beautiful. That's I, mean, not I, me. I think that's great. But then there's also this yeah, perspective that's that you thing. bring of, no, I read medical journals and I've talked to people and I went and spoke to a midwife before I even conceived. And like, I just think that's so great that, it can it can be an option that maybe you just feel it and that's what works for you or maybe you intellectualize and connect with it mentally to see no this is actually my safest option and this is what I want yeah. to do based on evidence so I just think that's very cool of you <laughs> yep that was that was definitely how it how it went um, also my husband is from the UK originally he's um, from England and okay. the NHS the National Health Service in England actually recommends um, home birth as as a great option especially for like second babies if your first baby was uh, uneventful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually the recommendation. And the NHS is a very well-regarded healthcare system with with better outcomes in the U.S. system. So I figure if that's what they say, uh, there must be something to it. So that kind of got me started with doing the research to begin with. Oh, that's cool. I had no idea about that in the NHS and what they said. I like that. I'm going to look into it a little more. Yeah. Um, at least that was the the recommendations before I got pregnant. So things might have changed, but I doubt it. Yeah. So there was something that you said um, that I actually want to go back to. When you when you said you were having you know coffee with your friends and, and people were describing their home births, um, you were happy for them, but then you said to yourself that it really wasn't something that you thought you could do. I'm curious because I know that there's listeners out there who are probably thinking that right now, like, they hear the stories from this podcast, they've talked to other people, mm-hmm. and they think, oh, those are great, but it's just not something that I 
that I could do. Why didn't you think it was something you could do back then? I think it was the, that preconception of like, it's, it's dangerous or it's not the safer option, mm-hmm. I think was kind of where I was. I actually, I was um, pre-med all through my undergraduate degree. My mother is uh, was a nurse for 30 years before she retired, and I taught um, anatomy to first-year medical students. So I was very much in that medical sort of role. And so that was what I, um, I think that was just where my brain went without doing any reading about it. I think that's just the assumption that you make. And so I think starting the reading about it made me think, huh, that's not, um, that's not actually the the truth. The things that I was thinking weren't actually true. Um, I also am a little high anxiety and I think I was worried that I wouldn't cope well with the sort of unknown of the home birth. I think I thought I would respond better in a more medicalized uh, setting. Wow. Great. Great question. Great answer. (laughs) Yeah. I I appreciate that insight because I, I, like I said, I know there's a lot of folks out there who, who are similar to you and their, and their thinking and their feelings about home birth. And I just think it's really great to, um, just to, to, to show and to share stories like yours where, you know, you're on one side of the fence and then, it's all of a sudden you're on the other side of the fence, but we don't talk a whole lot about that middle part. You know, how do you that get crossover? To the other? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I know for me, you know, I was really not interested in home birth in the beginning. I had all the fears, all, all the, the normal stuff, um, but I eventually became a huge advocate for it, obviously. And so I think it's important to talk about that as well. So I, I just appreciate you um, giving us a little bit of glimpse into your process. Yeah. So there are, you know, two birth stories here to dive into, which I'm very excited about. But, you know, I guess real quick before that, was there anything about your planning process or sharing the news to home birth with friends and family? Anything, you know, that came up in either or both pregnancies that that kind of stick out for you? Not really. Um, my family was really supportive. My husband coming from the, the NHS, well, I mean, he didn't have a lot of exposure to uh, women giving birth. That wasn't, uh, he didn't have a lot of friends or family that had gone through that, but it, it was, it wasn't a weird thing for him because it's a lot, it's, it's not maybe a whole lot more common in the UK, but it's definitely not sort of stigmatized in the same way, I don't right. think, in the UK. Um, it's been a while. I did live there for several years, but it's been a while and I wasn't in the um, in the mode of I didn't have a lot of friends that were having babies when I was over there. Uh, so I don't know that for sure. Um, so he didn't have any qualms about it. He's a pretty laid back guy, too. Whatever I said was what I was going to do. He, he would have been fine with it. Um, and my mom was actually she was a little apprehensive, but she actually shared with me that she it was something that she wished that she could have done was oh, have me at home. Wow. Um, my mom actually had a kidney transplant before I was born. So I was a post-transplant baby. Um, and there were, she had her transplant a really long time ago and there weren't great, there wasn't great information about the complications that that might bring up in pregnancy. Mm. So she was kind of in the high risk camp and she just didn't feel like that was the the right choice for her, which I totally get. Wow, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was, she was quite, 
enthusiastic about it. She was she wanted to read the articles that I read. She she uh, had been a nurse for thirty years, so she uh, uh, did want to want to have a little bit more information. And she came and met with the midwife a couple of times with us as well. Um, and I'm not sure my dad's ever had an opinion on anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I think he was probably the most nervous, but it's not his style to 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 communicate that he was real nervous about it. Uh, but he came to one of the midwife appointments as well. Uh, so I think he felt pretty, uh, pretty com- confident. Wow. Gotcha. And we didn't really tell anybody else. Yeah. Um, it wasn't something that um, we didn't want. I know you guys had a pretty large birth team, but I didn't want anybody else there. I just knew that that wasn't what spoke to me with with things. Um, and I didn't really want any negative response. So I just didn't really tell anybody. Yeah, there you go. Wait, that's an option. I can just not talk to people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's great. I it love that. did get a little bit, uh, get a little bit hard, especially we, um, we run a store where we get real regular repeating customers mm, in. Right. And so as I got obviously pregnant, uh, people really love to talk about your pregnancy with you, which is something I didn't know going in, I don't yeah. think. And <laughs> And um, I, I never expected one of the pretty regular questions to be, where are you delivering? Uh, um, but it was. And I didn't feel comfortable lying. Um, so I didn't lie. But I, I would kind of him and haw a little bit about, mm-hmm. well, we're, we're still, <laughs> we're not sure we picked a hospital yet, yeah. I think was my stock answer for the first baby. After I, I had the first one, I was pretty comfortable with the second one saying, yeah, we have our babies at home. Yeah. That's great. Um, So, I mean, let's talk about having your babies at home then. Tell us a little bit, you know, about both births, I guess, in any fashion you want, really, if you want to dip in and out or, oh, this happened at this one, whatever. But maybe we'll just start with with Poppy once we knew birthing time was happening. What was going on? Okay. Well, both of my, both of my kiddos cooked to 42 weeks. uh, So I had an extra two weeks at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With Poppy, I was, I was born three weeks early. And so I was convinced that I was going to have my baby three weeks early and I was due at the beginning of January. I actually, weirdly, I was due the exact same day that my mom was due with me and I was born on December 29th. So I thought I was going to have a Christmas baby. Um, And I didn't. And I reached my due date and I wasn't in labor and I reached 41 weeks, the appointment, the 41 week appointment with our midwife and I wasn't in labor. And um, uh, I went home and we had our midwife was was great. She was never did any sort of making me feel any way at all about being overdue. She she chatted with me about how I was feeling about stressed about it. But at the end of the 41-week appointment, she just said, okay, we're on the schedule on this day for your 42-week appointment, unless I see you before. And that was uh, that was kind of how she left it. And I think I made it three – I think I made it to 41 weeks and five days. And then I, like, I felt like I had a nervous breakdown or something. Mm. I was so freaked out about being so overdue. I'm doing the air quotes, which you can't see because this right. is audio. Um, <laughs> that uh, I was so far past my guest date. I love that. I'd never heard anybody else say that before you guys. So that's, that was my, my go-to phrasing with, oh, my, awesome. with my second one was that guest date. <laughs> um, and so I went, I called the midwife and told her, I'm just I'm having a really, really hard time. Um, and I went to see her that afternoon uh, just for reassurance and, and all that stuff. We listened to the heartbeat everything was going well but I requested a uh, cervical check and a membrane sweep it wasn't something I'd never 
she had never suggested either of those things before. So I hadn't ever had any checks or anything. I had no idea if I was dilated or any of that stuff. And just my reading, I sort of uh, saw that that didn't mean anything. So I just didn't want to know. I didn't want to be fixating on it, thinking that it meant something was happening or it wasn't happening. I just wanted to let it go. Um, and so we did a membrane sweep and I was dilated to maybe like a two or a three. Um, and the membrane sweep was really painful. I think I was super anxious and stressed out. And I think that just made it really, um, unpleasant. And so we did the membrane sweep and the midwife recommended to try to get a good night's sleep that night. And if I wanted to, she gave me the information about like castor oil and black and blue cohosh, I think, as labor inducing, encouraging kind of methods. And that, again, with my reading was not something I had thought I would want to do. I, I kind of thought your body's going to do this labor thing when it's ready. And I just wanted to leave it alone until then. But um, I was looking at that you quote unquote risk out of home birth at 42 weeks, at least in Indiana. Um, and so I really wanted to deliver at home. I didn't want to have to transfer care and deliver in a hospital just because of the calendar. <laughs> um, so I did go ahead at 41 weeks and six days. Um, I did go ahead and do the castor oil and uh, herbal stuff and nothing happened. <laughs> Um, so it was like, it's several hour long, you take the herbs and then you wait X amount of time and you take them again, uh, kind of a thing and nothing happened and nothing happened. And I went to bed that night convinced I would wake up in labor and I didn't. So I was 42 weeks exactly. Um, and it was kind of my last day and, uh, that, that this was, was going to be a possibility. And my mom took me to get a massage. I'm a big fan of, mm. of uh, prenatal massages. Um, and so she took me at like six o'clock in the evening. She said, okay, this is on the schedule. We're going to do this. It's going to be lovely. You don't have to think about anything until after the massage is over when you'll be all relaxed. Then we can talk about what our, our next options are going to be. Um, and I went into labor during the massage. Yeah. Um, it was, <laughs> um, it was really lovely. Um, it's one of those places where you just take off like your shoes and socks and lay on the, lay on the table. So mm. it's not a like totally naked kind of a massage place, which I liked better, especially in pregnancy. Yeah. Wiggling in and out of clothes <laughs> isn't, isn't fun. Um, and so I went into labor at 6.15. I had my first contraction, but I'm like, huh, that's that's what contractions must feel like. Because you ask incessantly the whole time, how am I going to know? What's it going to feel like? And yep. there's not a good answer to that. You will <laughs> you won't miss it. Um, <laughs> I like that. And so I, uh, I opened my eyes when I had that first one because I didn't have Braxton Hicks at all with my first. Um, I, so I had no contractions, nothing at all happening. And I opened my eyes and looked at the clock uh, with the first one. And I thought, huh, I, I wonder if this is, like, <laughs> I wonder if this is really it. And by the second contraction, I knew that this was really it. Um, and I was keeping track just on my fingers. I, every time I would have a contraction, I would put up another finger because I was still getting a massage. Um, and 45 minutes after that, so it was an hour long massage. I went into labor 15 minutes in and I had, um, what was that? I had 15 contractions in the next 45 minutes. So contractions started three minutes apart. Oh, wow. um, and I went out into the waiting room where my mom had driven me um, to the massage. I went out into the waiting room and I gave her a big grin and a two thumbs up and said, I'm in labor. 
and um, we we did a little happy dance, and <laughs> she drove me home. Um, and I we actually we stopped and picked up my dad on the way home. My parents and I live pretty close together. Um, and my husband was teaching late that evening. Um, he was teaching a yarn dyeing class in our in our shop, um, and he was going to be teaching until eight. Um, and it was like seven fifteen at this point or something. So we uh, we all drove home. I was vocalizing during contractions by this point, and they were intense enough that I was making some noise uh, with them. And we got home, and I, for some reason, I really wanted to wait until my husband got home to call the midwife. I'm not sure why that seemed like what I wanted, but it was. <laughs> um, and so I, I waited to call her. Um, and actually, he, he's still in trouble for this. Uh, I called him right at eight when his class should have finished um, to say, I'm in labor, head home. And he didn't come home. And I called him at 8.10 and said, okay, you need to come home. And he said, okay, we're just finishing up. I'll, I'll be right there. And he didn't come home. <laughs> and I called and left a message at like 8.15. And I'm just screaming into the answering machine. You need to come home right now. Dave, um, this is not a drill. Already on his, <laughs> on his way home wow. um, at that point. And we, our shop is 500 feet from our house. So he oh. just walked up the hill. Um, so he didn't have a long, a long way to go and his defense is always we had a plan um, that my labor as a first-time mom was probably going to be 12 to 24 hours so we weren't going to make a big deal about early labor and so his defense is always I was just following the plan <laughs> um, which is fair that was our plan but I did not have a 12-hour labor um, with my with my first uh, I went significantly faster than that um, so he's still in trouble for that. I still, I still give him a hard time about that one. Um, and the people who were taking that class from him when they stop in the shop, they still like to remind me that they, they were trying to tell him to leave and just lock the door behind him. And they didn't care if they had finished what they were doing or not. But uh, he was bound to determine to get things finished. Um, so he finally got home. I called the midwife uh, and I, I felt embarrassed, like I wasn't coping as well with contractions as I thought I should be because I was vocalizing a lot. I was like pacing and, and doing a lot of things that I thought I shouldn't have been doing that early on in labor because I was two hours into my first labor from my first contraction. So I thought things shouldn't have been as big a deal as I was making them. I thought I was being a bit of a drama queen. Um, so I, I sort of told her all of that stuff. And she said, um, when we, we certainly talked in our appointments and, and prenatally about what was going to happen when I called her in labor. And she did exactly what she said she was. She said, okay, well, I need you to call me in two hours or if anything changes um, and we'll go from there. And so I was doing a lot of, uh, uh, sort of walking around, I decided everything in the house needed to be tidied away. So we were like putting away laundry and putting books back on the shelf and all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and I was still vocalizing a lot. And probably an hour and a half in, I said, Dave, can you call her? I'm too embarrassed to call. I don't think anything's really changed, but I, I think I need her. I, I'm not feeling comfortable just keeping doing this and so he called her back and we were chatting again and I was still able to talk to her pretty coherently on the phone between contractions so she was kind of hemming and hawing and saying okay well I might head in your direction I'm not in a big rush 
because you're still only three and a half hours into labor or something like that. And, um, but I, I kind of will think about heading your way. And uh, I, my husband was on speakerphone talking to her. And I said in the background, he was like trying to rub my back or something. And I, she heard me say in the background, don't touch me. Um, and she <laughs> said, all right, I'm getting in my car. <laughs> that's, that's it. You're, you're really closer than I, than I thought you were. Um, and I, she had only been there for, well, I'm going out of order. So she, she arrived. It's about a half an hour drive for her to get to us. Um, and it was it late in the evening, so there wasn't any traffic or anything. And I'm laying on the bed on my side, making a lot of noise. I am not a quiet laborer, uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, she comes in and my mom said, uh, she made it like three steps into the house before you could hear me having a contraction. And the midwife said, wow, it sounds like she's doing really good work. Like Mm -hmm. I would, I was obviously in pretty advanced labor at this point. And uh, she came in and she asked if I wanted her to check me or maybe I asked her to check me. She's a very, um, I don't want to say hands off, but she very much lets you drive the drive the ship. Um, she's not going to make a bunch of suggestions or tell you to do something. She's going to kind of see what, what you want to do, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated. That was something that I really, really liked. I could not have imagined a better fit for my personality than the midwife that we have. Um, And uh, so I think I asked her to check me because I I still felt like I was being a little overly dramatic that this wasn't possible, that it was, it was going this fast because it was, I don't know, it was like 11 o'clock by this point. So I had my first contraction at six. Um, and she checked me and she told me I was nine centimeters. And I told her she was lying to me. There was no way I was nine <laughs> centimeters. I hadn't been in labor nearly long enough for that because I had read a lot of books. And uh, I didn't think that that was possible with the first labor. I didn't think I would be going that fast. So she assured me that she wasn't lying to me. And that was really how far along I was. Um, and I just, I kind of did what I wanted to in terms of I, I got up, I laid down. I labored on the toilet quite a bit, which mm-hmm. was not something that I thought I would want to do. I Going into it, I thought that would kind of squick me out a little bit, um, but it felt really comfortable. It was just, it was a good height. It was a good space, all of all of that kind of stuff. Uh, somebody suggested I might want to get in the tub. Uh, I know a lot of people are really enthusiastic about water birth. It just was not something that I felt like I wanted. Even when I was pregnant, it was just like, eh, I, I like that. I was a swimmer in high school. I I like water. It just wasn't something that felt like it was something I really wanted. So we do have a, like a double normal sized bathtub um, at home. And so I didn't get a birth tub. I thought, oh, if I feel like I really want it in labor, uh, we've got something that I could get like all the way submerged into. And so somebody suggested, did I want to try the tub? Um, and by the time I got into it, I was pushing. Um, and I think I had been pushing for probably a half an hour at that point. And I think it might have been the midwife who had said, like, let's see if we make a change and uh, see if this feels comfortable for you. And so I pushed in the water for probably 20 minutes and I didn't like it. I couldn't, mm. I just couldn't get leverage or something. It just wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. Um, and so I got, I got out again. Um, and I ended up after that, I'd been pushing about an hour and a half and I think I was starting to get really discouraged. It's all a bit of a blur because one, this is two years ago and two, I was in labor. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's kind of all a blur even when it's happening. Um, I, 
I asked to be checked to see what was going on. Why wasn't, why wasn't the baby born already? And um, so I got back into the bed in that like traditional childbirth in a hospital position on my back. And I knew as soon as I was in it that I didn't like it. Um, when she checked me and she said, it's, it's still looking good. Like we're getting, like, I, I can see some head We're we're really, you're, you're making progress. It's just slow progress. It's fine. Um, but I couldn't communicate well enough that I didn't want to be in that position anymore. I mm. knew it, but I, I just couldn't say it. And um, I probably pushed there in that really like flat on your back, legs in the air kind of a thing for 10 minutes or so. And then the baby's heart rate started to have some, some issues. Um, we were just doing the like intermittent monitoring um but she was, uh, the, the baby wasn't, and I didn't know that it was a girl baby at this point. We didn't find out with either, uh, either kid until they were born. Um, and so then the midwife was saying, okay, we don't, we, we need to get this baby out. We're, so she started doing a little bit of the coached pushing, which I, she knew I didn't want, but there was a need for it, which is fine. That's why I wanted a midwife because I wanted her to tell us if something wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Um, and I really hated that, that sort of, push, 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 um, on my back. And it was like, this is not what I signed up for. This wasn't what I wanted. What's what's going on here. And I finally managed to get it out of like, let's, I need to move and uh, get me on the floor. I need to, I want to squat. And as soon as I, I got on the floor and squatted, the heart rate went totally back to normal. Everything was fine. And she was born like two minutes later or something. So she was born with me fully squatting on the side of the bed. Um, And she kind of went from, zero to 60 coming out she was like there there was just a little bit of of head showing um to like i don't ever remember that ring of fire thing she was just out she just came out um and i did they did get a mirror i didn't think i wanted a mirror to to watch it wasn't my plan um but i'm really glad they they put a mirror under there and said, you can see if you, if you want to. And it was just a really, really neat thing to see their heads are such a weird shape. Yeah. Like that doesn't look like a head when I you know. first start to see it. Um, but she came out kind of in one push. I, her, her head and her body all came out at one time. Um, and then instantly tons of meconium. Um, so she, she pooped on me within three seconds of being born. Um, <laughs> And it came straight up the midwife because I was kind of squatting and leaning forward a little bit. The midwife caught her um, underneath me and passed her to me as I sort of uh, got back into a, a sitting position kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Um, and she was perfect in every way. I didn't they actually they put a blanket over us right away. And I didn't look to see if it was a girl or a boy. Like I just had a baby. I, yeah. I didn't care. It wasn't uh, it wasn't something that I, I thought to check straight away. Uh, and she was having a little bit of uh, to me, I thought she sounded perfect because I don't know what newborn one second old babies are supposed to sound like. <laughs> she was making noise and crying and snuffling around. Uh, but apparently her lungs sounded wet was what they what they said afterwards so the midwife and she had one assistant that's been with her the the midwife had been practicing for more than 20 years and this assistant had been working with her for like the last 16 or something so they were a really really great team together Um, but they were both more a little bit sort of up in my 
business than I wanted them to be. Um, kind of right there checking on the baby with the stethoscope on her chest and stuff like that. And I kept, I remember saying like, she's fine. She's like, you don't need to check her. She's okay. Uh, but they kept like coming back to listen and, and all of that stuff. Um, and probably 10 minutes, um, 10 minutes in, they decided she did sound just, just fine. Um, with it, she just had a little had a little liquidy uh, noise in in her lungs going on, uh, but it cleared up without any. I mean, they didn't do suction or or oxygen or anything like that. She just cleared on her own, um, and it was probably ten more minutes before I looked to see that it was a girl. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I had said going in that I wanted to be the one to announce, like I didn't want the midwife to say, I didn't want my husband to say, like, I just, I wanted to to look and find out for myself and I, I would announce it. Uh, so that was really neat uh, to be able to do that. Uh, so that was, that was Poppy's birth. It, she was born, I say in six hours, it was actually kind of eight hours, but the first two hour, I mean, the first 45 minutes I was in a massage and then I was driving home and getting things organized. It didn't feel like real active labor uh, to me. So I say she was born six hours after my, uh, after I went into labor, which was wow. significantly faster than I thought it was going to be yeah. For, yeah. A, for a first timer. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Calendar. Let's be real. Running a household can be exhausting and chaotic and finding the perfect Mother's Day gift. It's not exactly a no brainer until now. The Skylight Calendar is the best way to organize the family and give everyone, especially mom, some peace of mind to enjoy the things that matter most. The Skylight Calendar is a smart, touchscreen calendar that keeps track of and manages the chores, dinner planning, groceries, and to-dos for the whole family. The Skylight Calendar automatically syncs each family member's digital calendars and displays them all together on one color-coded touchscreen. It even doubles as a digital picture frame so you can finally share all those special moments that are just sitting on your phone. As a limited time offer for our listeners, get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight calendar when you go to skylightcal.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-C-A-L dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightcal.com slash easy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, but she was also, on the small side, she was six, six pounds, two ounces, I think, when she was born. Um... So she might have come out a little bit speedier, uh, although the pushing took a full two hours uh, of, of pushing to get her out. So she wasn't that small. <laughs> Oof. Wow. And how was Dave? How was Dave through the process and, you know, watching Poppy he being born? was absolutely phenomenally oh, awesome. I great. don't have any idea how any buddy does it without Dave there to help them. <laughs> Everyone needs a Dave. Um, <laughs> Everybody does need a Dave. Uh, we had talked a lot. I had talked a lot about the birth and the labor and all of these things. I listened to a lot of podcasts. This was, I think, before you got, yeah, this was definitely before you guys had started. But there are a couple of other um, home birth or indie birth podcasts that I had listened to and I'd read 
every sort of naturally home birthy kind of a book that I could get my hands on um, at a bunch of birth stories. So I had this clear vision of what was going to happen. And I had talked his ear off about it um, going in about we were going to, I had a grocery shopping list. We were going to go to the grocery store when I was in early labor. I was going to make a pot of chili to have cooking for um, in case I wanted something to eat or for like the midwives and Dave and uh, my mom was the only other person that was there. Um, that's not true. My dad was actually there the whole time, which was not the plan. And I didn't know he was there until the end. He wasn't in the room with me, but he actually stayed. He, he was there when I was in labor. He and my mom were just going to stay until Dave got home from work. And then I was so obviously progressing quickly that he actually just, he didn't want to leave. He, he just, he stayed in the living room the whole time. And I didn't know he was there until an hour after, uh, after Papa was born. Um, but he was, I, I didn't know it. So he didn't count as there. Um, <laughs> wow. But so Dave, uh, Dave did great. He, he got on board as soon as he got home. Uh, it was probably 20 after eight when he finally sauntered home. Um, it was, it was very clear to him that I was in pretty active labor and we weren't going to the grocery store. And, um, he uh, he really stepped up. He didn't uh, he didn't leave my side not to pee, not to eat, not to anything um, from the the second he got home. And I'm I'm very opinionated in general, but definitely in labor. Um, and so I had very specific things that I wanted and didn't want. I wanted him to be close by, but I didn't. I wanted him touching me between contractions, like I wanted his his hands on like on my shoulders or on my back or supporting me, kind of like slow dancing style between contractions. But then when I actually started the contraction, I just wanted to hold on to his hands and squeeze and not have him touch any other part of me. And so he did. <laughs> he he, uh, he caught on to what I wanted and did a great job of that. Mm. Um, he had said all along he didn't want uh, he didn't want the 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 anatomical view of birth like he was he wanted the the uh, head view of me he was going to stay above my waist uh, the whole fair. time he had no <laughs> desire to catch the baby he had no desire to to watch in a mirror he that just wasn't it wasn't his thing he wanted to be up at my head supporting me and uh, leave the leave that end of things to the midwife yeah. um and so that's exactly what he did um and he, so when I, like I would labor on the toilet for quite a, quite a while, probably an hour of pushing, um, I did on the toilet and he was right in front of me and I sort of would lean over and hold onto his neck and squeeze his shoulders as I was contracting and scream a lot. I was very vocal. Um, I was hoarse for like three days after she was born, wow. um, just from all of the, all of the shouting. I don't remember doing it at the time, uh, but everyone assures me that I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, they actually were telling me at the time that I was doing a great job with that because I was apparently I was keeping it really low. Uh, I wasn't sort of screaming high pitch, but more of like a low, the low groan, just really loud. Um, but uh, they did ask after uh, Poppy was born, if we ever have another baby, when you're in late pregnancy, can you cut your fingernails? <laughs> like oh, he had, he shoot. had some, uh, some big like dig marks <laughs> uh, where I was squeezing. So he was bright enough not to tell me that at the time when That's, I was in late. Yeah. <laughs> Smart, Dave. <laughs> That's yeah. Great. Um, but one of my 
super clear memories, even now, two years later, is the way our bathroom is set up. There's no space on either side of the toilet. So he, I was sitting on the toilet and he was right in front of me, facing me. And the midwife wanted to get in to listen to the heart rate. It was the, like her time, like her every half an hour or something. She was doing that. And so she <laughs> crawled between his legs uh, to listen from between his legs wow. to the baby uh, because she could tell that his support was was really beneficial to me and so she didn't want to make him move um and my contractions were right on top of each other um and so i there wasn't like a minute or two break where uh where he could back off and she could come in and listen so she just crawled right up between his legs um and that i think was when i really really knew that a home birth midwife was definitely the best possible option for me uh, because i cannot imagine that there is an ob in the universe that would do that (laughs) yeah Um, i totally believe that midwives set a whole new standard for everything in life (laughs) they do they do and yeah just they, they set the bar high for any other. <laughs> like, we have a great pediatrician who I love, but I wish the midwife could just keep doing the oh, all the kids check up. We talk about that all down. the time. We talk about that. It's yes. Um. So, uh, what about what about birth number two? What about Rowan's birth? How did that compare? So I we, guess. <laughs> yeah, we um, we always knew we wanted. Two. Uh, we always said we would have two and see what happened. I think two is the right number of children. I hate pregnancy. I'm not a beautiful vessel. I'm just miserable for 42 weeks. Um, and uh, so we got pregnant again, uh, when, like on Poppy's first birthday. Uh, we uh, we knew we wanted them fairly close together. I'm a little on the old side, so I know I knew we didn't want to want to wait a super long time. Um, and uh, we knew we would use a same midwife, all of all of that stuff. So the prenatal stuff, my pregnancies both times went incredibly smoothly. Uh, we just there was just no issues at all. It almost feels like why are we even going to the midwife? Like we're not. Uh, I I enjoy her company so much. It was lovely to go, uh, but there just wasn't any uh, absolutely nothing uh, out of the ordinary at all. And so this time I felt like I was a little bit more prepared to go over. I said from the very beginning, when I first found out that I was pregnant, um, I looked at what my guest date was supposed to be, and I added two weeks. And so from that point on, I never said what my like 40-week estimated due date, I never said that date. I always said the 42-week was when the baby was going to be born, and that was October 18th. Um, And he was actually born on October 16th. So he didn't quite go to 42 weeks, but 41 weeks, five days is close enough. And he was actually born at four minutes to midnight, so he was actually... 41 weeks and six days. (laughs) Um, So I was a little bit more prepared going in. I just thought, okay, I'm, I, cook the first baby a long time. I may go 41 weeks, but I'm I'm probably not going to have a due date baby. Um, And so I think it did help. I think I got to 41 weeks and I felt okay. Whereas with Poppy the first time from 37 weeks every single day, I thought, okay, today's the day I'm going to have this baby. Today's the day I'm going to have. And for five weeks, that's a really long time to feel like that. Uh, So I think I did a little little bit better um, the second time around. That last week, man... I, I wish there was something cause I, it's, it seems like it's a fairly uncommon thing. I'm on a couple of pregnancy 
group kind of things. And there just aren't a whole lot of us that go to 42 weeks anymore. Uh, mm. That just doesn't seem to be the end thing. Everybody is doing a lot of poking and prodding ahead of time, um, which is fine if that's what you need or, or want to do. But that I knew that wasn't what I what I was going to do. Um, and so that the last week, especially after 41 weeks, it's just it's a it's such a mind game. Um, mm. And there's nobody can do it for you. No one can help you. There's nothing that can be said or thought that makes it better. Um, it's just every, every minute surviving until the next minute. Um, and I had a lot of Braxton Hicks with, uh, with Rowan, uh, probably starting about 20 weeks. I really was getting, um, noticeable Braxton Hicks. And then by 37 weeks, they were getting really timeable. I mean, they were like five minutes apart for three or four hours every evening. And so I thought I was in my head, I was saying, Oh, I'm going to go to 42. I'm going to go to 42. But I was kind of half thinking, yeah, maybe I really am going to have a 37 week baby this time. Um, and funnily enough, I was really apprehensive that he would be really small. I was worried I didn't want to have him at 37 weeks because Poppy was only six pounds and she was born at 42 weeks. I thought I'm going to have a four pound baby. Like that's, that's not a good thing. Um, which is hilarious because he was nine and a half pounds when he was born. (laughs) Um, um, he, so I, I didn't go into labor at 37 weeks, which was a good thing. I actually, we had a big, uh, work event. We do an overnight retreat once a year and, uh, it's just my husband and I who run it and there's 20 people that show up. And so I thought, and I, we had that at 37 weeks when I was 37 weeks pregnant this time. So I just kept thinking, please, please not before the retreat. (laughs) As soon as it's over any day, any second after that, but let me make it till six o'clock on Sunday before I go into labor. Um, and I was pregnant another five weeks. <laughs> um, so I, I made it through, uh, through all of that stuff. And I did decide, um, at, he was born on a Monday and on Friday, I made an appointment with the midwife to have my, uh, membrane sleep. I thought I didn't want to get to that same, like, frantic panic attack horrible awful feeling of Mm. being so overdue to worry about risking out of home birth I didn't want to do that with him uh, like I did with Poppy and so uh, I did make the appointment on Friday when I was I don't know, 41 and two days or something to have that membrane sweep. Um, knowing that the last time I had it done, it was still two days before I went into labor. Uh, so I had the membrane sweep on Friday, nothing happened. Uh, I got to Sunday, two days after the membrane sweep. And I was secretly thinking like, oh, okay, this is the day two weeks after membrane sweep or two days after the membrane sweep. This is when I go into labor and I didn't. And I was really upset um, about it. Again, those last two weeks, there's nothing anyone can say or do that makes it better. You've just got to survive it. Um, and then on Monday we had our regularly scheduled um, midwife appointment and I went back in and I was, I think two centimeters with the membrane sweep on Friday. And I had another membrane sweep on Monday and I was four centimeters dilated and the midwife said they easily stretched to five centimeters and I had another membrane sweep. Um, And so I knew I was headed the right direction and 
she said, and I already knew that dilation doesn't really mean a whole lot. Like I was going the right way, um, but it could still be a few more days. Mm. Um, there's, there's no predicting any of that stuff. We had talked at a couple of our, of our later appointments uh, at the midwife, just because Poppy's was a fairly fast birth for a first time mom that I might go fast. And so we'd actually, we had a plan for if, Dave, my husband, delivered the baby without the midwife, like if she didn't make oh, it, wow. so what we would do. Um, so we we chatted about that just a little bit. Uh, my that's husband smart. Was, I think that's great. Yeah. My husband was like, no way. She's only half an hour away. There's no chance she's going to miss it. She'll definitely be there. Um, <laughs> so I don't think he was really paying attention to the plan, but we had, we knew it was a possibility. Um, and so I mentioned a few, a few things in the lead up to it of if this happens, this is what you should do. Cause I'm a big reader. And so I, I kind of had all of that, that stuff I was trying to pass along to him. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. I, I suspected that it was probably going to go fairly fast. Mm. Um, the stuff that I'd read talked about second labors are often half the time of first labors. And so mm-hmm. that's what I'm like, well, a three hour labor, if you don't call her for the first hour, it's possible that, that she could miss it. Right. Um, well, and the first thing Dave has to do is leave wherever he is when you call him for this birth. If you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he had heard about that consistently for the, for the previous two years. So he was on board that he was not going <laughs> to dilly dally this time. Um, and so that Monday we went, uh, to the appointment and then we went out, it was a beautiful day. It'd been rainy and gross for the week before that. And so I hadn't been able to get out of the house or work very much. Uh, but it was a really lovely day that day. So we went for a long walk, uh, stopped and got coffee. We had pizza lunch at my favorite pizza place. Um, and, uh, got to my parents to pick up our daughter about, five um, that evening. And my mom said, I scheduled you a massage. We're going um, at 530. And so I'm thinking I'm going to go into labor at the massage again. Um, And of course I didn't. And so then I was all bummed out again. Um, And we went uh, and I was still, I was having really regular Braxton Hicks, but I'd been having them for weeks at this point. So I didn't, I I wasn't nowhere near getting excited about them. Um, and we went, uh, all of us, my mom and dad and Dave and Poppy and I all went to, uh, out to Thai food right after that at like seven o'clock. Um, and I had a couple more Braxton Hicks that were getting a little bit more intense than they had been, but I was so used to ignoring these things and not getting enthusiastic about them. I didn't, I was just a non-issue. It's like, okay, that's, that's fine. Um, I did think they were maybe a big enough deal that I asked my mom to drive me home. Um, and my dad drove uh, Dave and Poppy home. <laughs> my husband doesn't have a driver's license. He's the oldest man in the universe with a learner's permit. Um, <laughs> living in England, you don't need a driver's license. That is weirdly one of the things that people, when they didn't know we were having a home birth, uh, people were really concerned. Like, who is going to drive you to the hospital if he doesn't oh, wow. have a driver's license? Um, Uber. And the answer is, even if he did have a driver's license, if he'd only had it for six months, he probably, I wouldn't have wanted him to be driving me <laughs> as a brand new driver anyway but that's (laughs) that that doesn't matter since that's not what happened um anyway so uh my mom and I drove separately and I had a couple more contractions that I was actually starting to make a little bit of noise through in the car on the drive home it was like a 15 minute drive or something and I probably had three contractions um that I made a little bit of noise through and as we were pulling into the driveway I asked my mom 
do you think I'm in labor? Which is kind of a dumb thing to ask somebody else. Um, and she, she said, well, last time you knew for sure, like last time you came out and said, I'm in labor. If you're not telling me that, then I'm going to say this doesn't count as labor yet. Uh, so she dropped me off at, um, at our house, came in and made sure I was all settled and stuff. And um, we got my daughter in the, in the tub, well, in the kitchen sink, cause she's tiny. So she still has her bath in the kitchen sink. Um, it's more convenient than a bathtub cause you're up higher. You don't have to bend over as much, especially when you're 42 weeks pregnant. Oh man, um, so 22 weeks pregnant, whatever works for you, you do. I don't care if it's in a yeah. tub, in a bucket, whatever. <laughs> yeah. She is still at almost two. She is still getting her bath in the kitchen sink. Um, well, I'll probably put a both in there until she's five. She's going to get a bath in the kitchen sink. Um, so I was reading her a book in the tub and I kept pausing um, as I was reading, reading the book uh, with the contractions. And I finally... Uh, told my husband who was there with me as well I said like what time is it and by the time I'd said that three times he was like those are like two minutes apart do you think we should do you think we should call somebody or do something um and so we actually the plan was my parents were going to keep my daughter and my uh my dad was going to stay home at their house with her and my mom was going to come back and be here when I was in labor again be here for the birth um and so we called my parents and they came back. They'd only just gotten home um, and, and gotten themselves settled. So they turned around and came back and got uh, my daughter. And I didn't want to call the midwife until she was gone. I just felt like it was our last like 15 minutes as just a family of three. I didn't want to be on the phone That's for it. Um, yeah. So we kind of all snuggled up. We got her out of the tub and into her pajamas and we all snuggled up on the sofa. And my daughter's actually still nursing. Um, and so she nursed for the last time um, as as the only baby nursing wow. uh, then. And um, I think I scared her a little bit because I had like she latched on and then I had a contraction that I was a little bit vocal during. Yeah. So I think it scared her a little bit. And I feel I feel bad. Um, but as soon as the contraction was over, I told her like I was fine. And she, I mean, she's not scarred for life from it or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and so my, uh, my parents arrived and got her and I sent my mom home with the, with the baby and my dad. Cause I said, I'm not, um, like, I don't want you to sit here and stare at me. I'm not, this doesn't count as labor yet. It's not a big deal. I'll call you, um, when it's closer to time. Um, and that was probably nine fifteen, and I called the, after they left, I called the midwife and uh, chatted for a few minutes uh, through contractions. And my my contractions are both times are very short, like they're close together, but they're only like 30 seconds long. Um, they're very intense for those 30 seconds. But that what's the like five one and one rule, the like five minutes apart and one minute long, mine never get to a minute long. Um, they get a minute apart, <laughs> but they're they're never more than like 30 seconds long. Um, so there's not much of a break in between them, but they don't seem to be real long. So I was talking to the midwife and she's kind of hearing me have contractions. And so she's saying, Okay, you're they're they're kind of close together, but they're not real long. Why don't you hang up, time three contractions, and then call me back and tell me what's going on? Um, and so I tried to do that, but they the first two that I timed were four minutes apart, and then they jumped to a minute and a half apart. And I couldn't like I couldn't get myself organized to call her back. So I I ended up having like ten contractions before I could call her back again. Oh, and I had the same weird uh, desire to 
put everything in our house away. So instead of my husband helping me time contractions or do any of that stuff, I sent him off to like put away the laundry and <laughs> like sweep the floors. I just have this weird drive to get all of that stuff uh, done uh, right in that, uh, that sort of switching from kind of early labor into the um, the little bit more intense stuff. Yeah. So I finally did call her back and I'm I'm sort of shouting during or like really loudly groaning during the contractions now. But in between contractions, it just it's totally gone. Like I'm still laughing and talking and it's just like I'm not in labor at all. So I, I told her that and I'm like, I don't think I'm that far along. I think I'm okay. You don't need to come yet. Well I'll call you when something changes. Um but I, I think I'm doing okay. And uh, she said, okay, well, call me, call me. And she, she recommends when you call and talk to her in labor that you put her on speakerphone so that everybody that's there can hear what you're saying. Uh, because she said women in labor are not the best communicators, which is mm. fine. Uh, we're busy doing important things. <laughs> and uh, so she said, Dave, make sure if she stops talking between contractions, you need to call me right away. Um, and so we that's that's the way we left it. Um, so I didn't think she was on her way because that's the way that we left it. She being more clever than I am or around birthing women more, um, <laughs> she actually packed packed up like got in her car started loading things up and headed our way and she said she would have sat in a coffee shop or something until I called back again um but it probably wasn't 15 minutes later mm. that I was pushing um and oh, so wow. I I I didn't notice that I was in in labor and I um, I was actually folding laundry. There were two baskets of clean towels that needed to be folded and put away. So I was uh, sort of bending over during the contractions. I would bend over and hold on to the edge of the dining room table. And Dave would put his hands. I didn't want him to put any pressure on me, but I wanted him to put his hands like on my hip bones from behind me. So I, I told him to do that. And then the contraction would be over and we would go back to folding laundry. Um, <laughs> that is like extreme and, labor nesting or something. Uh, that is that yeah, is a thing. I don't, <laughs> I'm some sort of freak. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, they hurt like hell when I was, when I was having them, but in between they were, it was like nothing was happening. Mm. Um, and uh, so I did, I did get the two loads of laundry folded. Uh, they did not get put away. <laughs> um, but I remember in one of them, he was behind me and I, I asked him if I was pushing am, am I pushing now? Can I be pushing? Am I allowed to be pushing? What's happening? Um, kind of like I asked my mom that I was in labor. I have no idea why I thought he would know the answer to that. Um, but as soon as I asked him that question, he called the midwife and said, I never think she might be pushing. And she said, I'm, I'm most of the way there already. Mm. Um, so that was nice. Um, and I called my mom at that point. I think I called my mom one contraction before I started pushing and said, yeah, you can go ahead and head on over. Um, and at that point, things switched to being incredibly intense. Um, it was pretty, the, during the contractions was really, really painful, which I didn't have the first time. Um, I'm not going to say my first labor was painless. Like it definitely hurt, but it wasn't, if you'd asked me to describe it, pain was not one of the first words that I would have used. Um, this time pain was definitely the first word that I, <laughs> that I would use still now, two months later. Uh, it was very painful and I kept thinking I wasn't as far into it as I was. Uh, so I kept saying like, I can't do this for very much longer. 
because I didn't need to do it for very much longer. Um, but the midwife uh, did arrive at like 1130 or 1115 at, at night. Um, and uh, she came in with the one bag that she could carry. And she told my mom, she was like, I have more stuff in the car, but I'm not going back out for it. Uh, she didn't, she didn't want to miss the birth. Right. Uh, so she got, uh, she got everything in and we, um, I feel like I'm skipping around a lot. Um, we, the midwife recommends that you not go up the stairs. If you have your baby downstairs, you stay downstairs. If you have your baby upstairs, you stay upstairs um, for like three days afterwards, just, postpartum climbing stairs is not something she recommends. Mm, yeah. um, and she has very few rules. Like she doesn't really tell you what to do. So I figure if she's going to tell me to do this, I'll, I'll listen to her. Uh, so we uh, didn't have a bedroom set up downstairs uh, this time around with my daughter. We did our spare bedroom was downstairs, but having another kid, we'd reshuffled the, the house. And so it wasn't a bedroom anymore. So my mom's job in labor was to set up the bedroom uh, downstairs. We had a like an air mattress and moved the furniture out of the way. And so she arrived probably 15 minutes before the midwife did. And so she was busily uh, setting up the bedroom downstairs. And then the midwife arrived and she was busily setting up her equipment. And so it was probably 12 or 1130 before all of that stuff was set up. And they she checked on the heart and said everything sounds great and I I think I wanted her to check my dilation because I had been pushing for 20 minutes at this point um but I was still I kept saying can I be pushing should I be pushing am I allowed to be pushing um and my husband did a really good job of uh being a great support I think he was scared out of his mind but he didn't let on uh to me at all he uh just kept saying your body knows what it's doing if you want to push then you should be pushing I said you're doing a good job that's exactly what you should be doing I mean he just kept up this constant positive refrain even though he was terrified That's awesome. um, he didn't he didn't let that on at all um so he he was with me for at least 15 minutes in the house just the two of us while i was pushing um and he did great he just he stayed right with me i wanted him super close like i wanted his face almost like touching mine between the contractions and then during the contractions i wanted him like touching my hips but not pushing in at all uh so i'm very like do this do that i i I issue a lot of orders when i'm in labor um and he did he did great following those that's awesome that's Um, really helpful for birth supporters and partners someone who's very clear and very vocal and i would say that'd be very helpful (laughs) so i'm sure they appreciate i'm sure dave appreciated that he knew exactly what to do there was no guessing work (laughs) And just yep. go. <laughs> I uh, I definitely say what I need pretty pretty clearly. Um, and one thing with Poppy that I knew I talked to the midwife and Dave both about is that feeling when I got on my back to be checked. And then I couldn't get, I was stuck and I didn't want to be there. And so I talked really clearly about not doing that, um, that I didn't. And the midwife said, like, you don't have to be in that position for me to check you. Um, I can check you. You're standing up like we, you don't have to do that. And so I was very clear that I didn't ever want to get in that position on my back again, unless I specifically said out loud, I feel comfortable on my back. That's where I want to be. Uh, and so I almost feel like they wouldn't let me do that. So I, and I think everybody else could tell that I was in very, very active labor. Like, you've been pushing for half an hour, Erica. You're probably going to have a baby soon. Um, but I kept wanting to be checked. I felt like I needed the information, um, but I couldn't 
I couldn't actually say out loud, I want you to check me. So I just kept saying, I don't think I should be pushing yet. Um, but the midwife never, I never did get a check. Um, she, she didn't ever uh, check me, which in hindsight, I think was the right, uh, the right answer. Everybody else could tell I didn't need to be checked. I was about to have a baby. Um, but I did feel like I needed some more rest because I had been my whole labor. I'd been standing up. Like I didn't, sit. I didn't squat. I didn't bounce on a birth ball. I was just standing up the whole time. I would lean over and hold on to the edge of the dining room table for a little while. Um, but as the, the, like the pushing got more intense, I was saying like, I need rest. I need rest between these. And so I got down on the bed and was like sidelined. Um, the midwife was holding during the contraction, she would hold one of my legs up, which actually felt really good. And I'm glad she knew to do it because I I wouldn't have known that I wanted that, but I was really glad that it was happening. Uh, but I could tell that that wasn't the position that I was going to be able to get the baby out in. Like I, I felt like I was just pushing against like a wall. Like it didn't feel like anything was moving. Um, and I was having, I, the whole time I'd had a lot of pubic synthesis pain. So like right where your, your um, pelvic bone joins in the center, uh, it felt like the baby was like busting that joint open um, for a lot of the very end of pregnancy. And I was having a lot of that while I was trying to push. It was, that was more painful than the contractions were, was that like pressure right there. Um, and so I did finally, there was probably five contractions where I was on my side pushing and I knew I wanted to get into that squat position, but I just couldn't get the words out. Um, it was nowhere near as bad as when I was on my back in the first labor. Um, and I was just miserable. And I knew that that was not the right way at all. This was more of like, you know, the baby's just not going to come out. I'm just going to stay in labor here until I move. Um, so I finally did say squat <laughs> um, and they, they kind of helped get me up. Um, and apparently my mom talked about this afterwards. I had no idea at the time, but my mom said she could see the midwife and her assistant sort of look at each other and she could tell that there was something unusual happening, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a danger or a concern. It was just out of the ordinary. Um, she could just tell the way they were sort of looking at each other and, and moving around. Um, and so they were both giving me suggestions. Like the midwife was saying, circle your hips. Like she had her hands on my hips and was moving my hip, like stirring the pot kind of thing, moving my hips around. Um, and her assistant was saying something about like squat down. And then my mom was sort of said, here, drink this water. And then Dave was holding on to me. And I just, it was, there was just so much going on. I, I shouted, everybody stop talking. <laughs> and everybody stopped talking. <laughs> um, it just felt like everybody was telling me what to do. Mm. And it was, none of it was helpful. None of it was what I wanted. And I could tell, like, as soon as I got up from that sideline position on the bed and got up on my feet, preparing to go down into a squat, I could tell he was coming. Like, the baby was about to come out. I could just feel him instantly, like, come down like a freight train. Wow. Um, and so I probably had two contractions sort of standing beside the bed. And then I got down into a squat um, and I wanted to see the same way that I did with Poppy, but I couldn't get the mirror in the right position. And so um, I kept like, like I grabbed, it was almost like a, 
spatula looking thing that the midwife uses and it's at an angle so that she can see, like she can put it underneath me and it reflects back so she can see what's happening. Um, and so I was trying to move it to angle it so that I could see. And I like, I ripped it out of her hands. Um, and she was like, I need that. Like I need to see what's going on. Um, and I never did get a visual, um, because he just came out so fast. Um, and, uh, so I pushed and I did get that ring of fire this time. Uh, and I'm almost, I'm almost glad. I feel like I wanted all of the experiences of childbirth and I feel like I kind of missed a couple the first time just cause it, it was so not what I was expecting. Um, I didn't get some of the stuff that you read about the ring of fire. And also with my first, um, my water, I mean, my water did break. She wasn't born in the call, but um, I think it probably happened when I was in the tub. It was just a non-event. Like it didn't, I didn't know that it happened. Um, and so I kind of, I kind of wanted my water to break and like experience that and the ring of fire just so that I, I'd had all of the experiences that were supposed to come with childbirth. Um, and so when I was pushing side lying on the bed before I got up into the squat I felt like a split second I felt like a water balloon was inflating between my legs and then there was the audible pop and my midwife wow. and the assistant both sort of shrieked and jumped back Oh, wow. um, because uh, it, it popped rather enthusiastically. Uh, and then they, the midwife said at the time, there's no meconium, which I remember surprised me because at 42 weeks, you almost expect meconium in the water. Um, that's, mm. that's almost a given um, that just when you get to that point, uh, the baby is going to have had a bowel movement, but he didn't. Um, and so I, I was, I got upright. I did have that ring of fire experience. And with Poppy, she came out all at once, like one push, her head and her body and the whole thing came out. Um, his head took me, there was one contraction where I got that ring of fire, a second contraction where his head came out. And then that, like that pause between his head coming out and the next contraction starting to get his body out. And it was just the weirdest, I mean, it felt like it lasted five hours or something. Um, I just, I wasn't expecting it to happen at all. Um, and it just felt like a really long time. And I've talked to the midwife about it later and it was like 30 seconds. It was just no time at all. It just felt like such a long time. Um, and when his body came out, I could tell he was longer than Poppy was. Like it just felt like his body coming out took a long time, <laughs> um, to get him all the way out. And he was 22 inches long. So it did. Wow. <laughs> it's like there's more kid and, and more kid. Yeah. <laughs> and more baby. And he keeps coming. <laughs> wow. Um, and this time the position that I was in, I actually pulled him up myself. Oh. Uh, Dave kind of reached down and I said, don't pull like his mm -hmm. his cord it wasn't around his neck or his body or anything but it I could just Dave is enthusiastic and not overly gentle and so I could just see him like ripping the baby oh, up God. to grab him um oh. so I said don't pull right. and so we both uh we both kind of lifted him up together mm. and I saw lifting him up that it was a boy right away and oh. Dave actually said it and I was if it had happened a different way, I would have been annoyed because I didn't want anyone to tell me I wanted to see for myself. Right. But he said it at the exact same time saw. that I saw it. Yeah. Um, so he was a, he was a little boy um, and pulled him straight up onto my chest um, again. And I didn't know. So the, the weird thing that my 
mom noticed the midwife and her assistant looking at each other is he came up with his arm out, like his hand came out first. Oh. Um, and instead of having his chin tucked underneath, so like the small pointy part of his head coming out, he came out like with his head square on. Oh. Um, and so apparently his head was molded really strange. Like uh-huh. he had this huge ridge down the middle of his head and his jaw was like crooked. Um, just how he came out, he came out weird. I, of course, having just given birth thought he was the most perfect specimen of a baby that ever existed. And I didn't think he looked weird at all, but apparently it was really pronounced. <laughs> um, and my mom took a video. We didn't do any pictures. We didn't really want to. We didn't have a birth photographer that wasn't in the plan at all. But my mom took a video like 30 seconds after he came out. And I look like a crazy person. My eyes are all dilated. And I just keep saying, it's a baby. It's a baby. It's a baby. Aww. Like I was really surprised that after all that hard work and having been pregnant for the last 42 weeks, I somehow missed the fact that there was going to be a baby. Yeah, I'm glad there was um, a baby the in second, there. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second thing I said is, you're not Poppy. Like oh. It was just the last time I'd had that kind of experience. It was Poppy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh, wow. um, so that just felt really surprising to me that it was such a different baby. Um, and he was, and I didn't, again, he just seemed the right size for him. I didn't twig immediately that he was big. Um, and just like, I didn't know when, Poppy was born. I didn't know that she was small until they weighed her and said, that's a small baby. Um, So I didn't have any idea that he was a big baby until they weighed him a couple hours later. Wow. (laughs) Those are. I'm sorry. I talk fast and a lot. So I I know that I have just been yapping and not letting you guys get a word in edgewise. Works for me. Yeah. Yeah. No one's here to listen to us. And uh, I feel like. I feel like we were there with you. Yeah, it was so you were very detailed <laughs> yeah. and like painted the scene so well. It's just it's so amazing. I mean, these now you have two babies and we got to hear of how they made their arrival on the scene. It's just it's just so cool. Um what what's got me what what has me thinking right now is just wondering for you, Erica, what about home birth, the decision to home birth? made made a difference or made an impact in the experiences? I mean, what about having both of your babies at home has been so significant for you? I think trusting that biology works, I guess. (laughs) Um, I, especially at the very end, after your 40 week, after your, your due date or whatever, having that, trust or faith or knowledge that biology is going to be there for you. Cause I'm not a, I'm not a hippy dippy kind of a, kind of a gal. I am very science oriented. Um, and so none of that sort of inner knowledge stuff, that wasn't something that I ever resonated with going into this. Um, and that's still not how I would identify it. Although I think it amounts to the same thing of just that sort of faith of knowing that it's, this is going to work. This is 
how our bodies are are going to make this happen. And I am going to go into labor on my own. I am going to have the baby that I'm meant to have. And the whole thing is going to work the way it's supposed to. Um, I think really having to live that, especially, and I mean, throughout the whole pregnancy, but especially in the last two weeks each time, uh, I think has made a huge impact on me, uh, just like my personality almost, and especially like parenting these children now um poppy being so small um she stayed small she's still tiny um she didn't weigh 18 pounds until her 18 month uh, uh, pediatrician appointment and rowan at his two-month appointment this morning weighs 18 pounds right now <laughs> um so they are just polar opposite yeah. kids and in those early months and for her all the way up to her 18 month appointment that just like she's really small she's not she's not gaining fast she's not gaining a lot and just sort of trusting that my body is doing this right her body is doing this right this is what is supposed to happen I think it has made parenting a little bit less stressful I'm a little high strung in general um, and kind of high anxiety and I think having to sit with that like just knowledge that my body is going to do this the, the way that it's supposed to do it has made parenting easier of just uh, like introducing solid foods and feeding the babies. Like the bodies do what they're supposed to do. If you don't, if you don't stress out about it too much and fixate on it, it's all just going to happen the right way. Um, I think has really changed. I think if my babies had been born in a hospital and I'd followed that typical OB appointment and all of the testing and all of the things, I think embracing that I just have a small child who gains weight slowly, I think would have been a lot harder. And I think breastfeeding probably wouldn't have gone as smoothly as it did with both babies. Mm. Rowan, it's no one could possibly think that he is not getting enough food. <laughs> um, but with Poppy, that was kind of a hard thing to, to just sit with that she is just a small kid. That's just mm. who she is. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like your babies have taught you a lot of things and brought incredible lessons into your life. Like for one, they've certainly taught you patience or I can imagine you know, making <laughs> you wait 42 weeks for both of them. Yep. Uh, so I, I love yep. that aspect of it too. It just seems like, you know, it's all interconnected. And as a result, now you have this beautiful family and you get to share your story with us and everyone out there. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> Yeah, it has it has been incredible. I can't imagine doing it any other way. And I think with how fast Rowan was born, I think even if we had planned to do it in the hospital, I'm not sure we would have made it because I didn't believe that I was really in serious labor until I was pushing with him. Yeah, I'm I'm still a little taken aback by the story and um, both your stories. <laughs> you know what I really liked about about the the you know the birth of Poppy and Rowan um, was. You had moments in each birth when you were in labor where you had something you wanted to communicate, but it just got stuck on its way out. And yeah. you, you know, you were searching for the words and, and just you knew what you wanted to say, but it just couldn't come out. But then you, you got over that hump and you were actually able to express what you wanted. And what it sounds like is after you, you know, were able to communicate and express and then shift positions, like things really flowed. And that that stands yeah. out to me and I thought that was that was very cool and um I'm just happy that you're able to to experience that so that you can then share it with others and you know other folks can can find their voice in their birth as well as in their pregnancy and and just be able to communicate what they want. 
It is. And it's, it's great to have a team that is really right there and ready to respond to that. Um, my Dave and our midwife and her assistant are both like right there. Like I just had to say one word and they, everybody sort of jumps into action. Yeah. Amazing how hard it can be to get that one word out, but wow. uh, it makes such a big difference. I can only imagine. I can only imagine, but that, that is very cool. Everybody just would jump into action and then boom, you got two yeah, babies. Cause <laughs> I wasn't getting up on my own either time. And <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they really made that happen. Erica, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Thank you to you, to Dave. I love that, you know, everyone needs a Dave. I feel like that's a future hashtag. Everyone <laughs> yes. needs a Dave at their birth <laughs> and to Poppy and Rowan for you know, letting, giving you, giving us you for, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know, sharing you with us. There we go. <laughs> Wow, mom brain. Yeah, they are um, both. Uh, they do both deserve a bit of a medal today. I have heard no screaming or anything at all. They are all nice. three downstairs. If you uh, want, and Rowan thinks he needs to eat every twenty minutes, so <laughs> I can't believe that he doesn't think he needed to come up here and eat during this <laughs> during this interview. Well, when we hang up, if you just want to keep milking this, no pun intended, and just like hang out by yourself <laughs> for a little longer, do that yeah. and just say you're still on the phone. We're, we support that. Okay, good. That was a three-hour interview. Yeah. I don't know. How. <laughs> Longest in history. Well, thank you so much. And um, gosh, just love and blessings to all of you out there and warmth up yes. in Indiana. And uh, just yeah, it's. Show. I think it's. I think it's over zero degrees for the first time in a, almost a week. So it's. Celebrate. It feels like a heat wave. That's a heat wave. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Erica. Thank you. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved. Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>